Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Meeting's always a big challenge. So anyway, come with me in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Verse 27. So the Lord created Adam or created man in his image and in his likeness. In the likeness of God, he created the male and female. He created them. Verse 28. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion. Everyone say dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, and every creeping thing that is on the earth. Subdue. Bring it under your authority. Tonight I want to talk to you about exercising dominion. Tonight I want to talk to you about destination dominion. Whether you realize it or not, you and I were created to have dominion in the earth. God said... Let them have dominion. Now, how many people know that you and I are part of the kingdom of God? Anybody? Okay, the kingdom of God. The, the word kingdom comes is really a, a combination of two words together. It's the word king and the word dominion together. So you and I are in the king's dominion that belongs to the king of kings, Jesus Christ. And so a kingdom is just the king's dominion. And so... so we know that God is Lord over all the earth. But it's interesting. God says, let, let them have dominion over everything that I've created. Psalm 8 says, you know, uh, that God has created us a little lower than Elohim and has given us dominion over the work of his hands. The reason I want to say all of that is because too often we live with a mentality that if God wants me to have it, then I'll just have it. It'll just come to me automatically. The reason I wrote the book, Push is because you'll find that the will of God is not automatic, but must be activated in your life. Okay, you you give me that look. All right, so so let me just explain it. So so can, can I just tell you, there are two sides of God's will. There's God's permissible will, and there's God's perfect will. There's God's permissible will, and there's God's perfect will. Somebody gets hit by a bus, that's not God's perfect will. God didn't, when that little baby was born, say, you know what, when they're 27... I've got a, bu- no, 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 that's, that's, not God's, that's not God's perfect will. God, God permits things to happen, but he doesn't purpose those things to happen. You guys are making it really hard. All right, so uh, the disciples, John chapter 9, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, when your theology is jacked up, you ask stupid questions. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I mean, the answer could not have been this man. Jesus couldn't have said, this man sinned, that's why he was born. Like, what sin is there in a womb? Like, is he, he sinned, so he was born, like in the womb. There's no, there's no blackjack. There's no like poker machines or cigarettes or, you know, he smuggled a little bottle of whiskey in there. He's got some Jack Daniel. Like, what sin can you commit in your mummy's womb? I mean, he's not even aware of, you know, nightclubs. He's... 
So Jesus says, neither, neither, but for the glory of God, because Jesus came to bring God's perfect will over God's permissible will. It was permitted because of a fallen world that is in separation from God. So we live, so we, we feel the consequences and the weight of that separation from God. There are things that God permits to happen, but they are not what God purposes to happen. So Jesus came and he said, I've not come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. That's why Acts ten thirty eight says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. The reason reason that demons don't automatically leave but must be cast out is because they resist the will of God. You and I are called to, to be ambassadors of the kingdom, to advance the kingdom. How do we advance the kingdom? It's very simple. How do you enter the kingdom? You stop doing your will and you start doing his will. Because thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom and his will go hand in hand. And so when, when, when somebody gets born again, they say, not my will, but thy will be done. The kingdom has just advanced. And so, so the kingdom advances as we, as we make it a priority to, to the will of God. So God's will is for you to have dominion. That's, that's what I want to say. So I'm going to give you three areas, three areas uh, that, that we're to have dominion. So the first area is God, God made man different to the animals. How many people notice that? We're different to the animals. He made us different to the animals. We haven't evolved from them. God, God made a distinction. God made it different. He says, let them, let man have dominion over the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. Let them have dominion. The difference between you and animals, the first thing that is striking is the ability to speak. The ability to speak. The, the reason Adam and Eve, were, were, mankind, were, were, you and I were created to have dominion over the animals and over all of creation is... Because you and I have the ability to prophesy. You and I have the ability to speak and declare the word of God. Can somebody say amen? So let me just tell you, number one, if you're taking notes and want to go to heaven, number one, the mouth is a producer. The mouth is a producer. Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21 says that a man will be filled by the words of his mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat its fruit. So, so your mouth, whether you realize it or not, is, 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 is a producer. So it can be producing negative things in your life or death things in your life, or it can be producing life things in your life. But, but understand that God made man different to the animals, and, and when you speak, there is a power behind it. Jesus says, my words are spirit, and they are life. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. So, so let me just kind of do a little, little uh, instruction here. Um, I like teaching our church to engage, to respond. I, I like that. Uh, the, the reason I, I do that is not because, oh, he's right into hype, isn't he? Oh, he's, he wants to make, it's an American, no, no, it's, it's not about an American church or a hype church. Uh, George Barner from George Barner Research Institute found that if you sit in church and just listen to a message, you can retain up to about 30% of what you hear, just, just from listening up to about 30%. If you're listening and you take notes, it almost doubles. It goes to about 50 to 60% because you're hearing and then you're writing stuff down. And just in the writing, 
there's a, there's a memory reinforcement that happens in the brain. But he said, if you, if you interact with the preacher, if you say, come on, or amen, or wow, throw money, do whatever you've got to do. But just, just by interacting with the preacher, they say that you, research shows that you will retain up to 85% of what you heard. Now, where's that in the Bible? Glad you asked. Glad you asked. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, Whoever confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God has raised him from the dead will be saved. For with the heart one believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you need to understand that every, every word is formed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Two is, is, two is the, 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 the power of covenant, and two is multiplication. Two, it's not just enough to believe. The Bible says whoever believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth. When your mouth confesses what you believe in your heart, a transaction happens in your soul. A transaction happens in your spirit. Something shifts. Something gets established. And so that's why when you're sitting here and you hear a word, don't hold back your amen. Don't say, well, you know what, you know, it's not an Aussie thing. You know, I wasn't brought, brought up that way, you know. Because the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So the Bible gives you permission to say so. So, so when I'm sitting listening to a preacher, I'll be amen. That's good. Come on. I'm doing that not so much to encourage them. I'm doing it because I'm trying to get that into my spirit. I want to establish that in my, when I hear a truth, yeah, amen. I, I, I want that in my spirit. So, so you need to understand your mouth is a producer. Your mouth is a producer. So, so don't hold back you know, from saying amen and, and, and jumping into that. I want to give you permission to do that tonight. Now, can I also just tell you that, uh, you know, some people kind of, oh, you know, uh, I just don't feel comfortable in church. Well, we do it at football. Don't pass it. Kick it, you idiot. Oh, don't kick it. Pass it. Yeah, and we do it at the football. I mean, we do it in front of the TV screen, you know, whether it's Jeopardy or take a vow, you idiot, you know, or, or, you know, who wants to be a millionaire? It's C, it's always a moron. And, and we, we're yelling at the TV. And then when it comes to church, we're... <laughs> complaining. Mouth is a producer. Here's the problem with Complaining. Complaining is a confession of injustice. Complaining is uh, is a confession of injustice. And the reason it's bad is because whatever you confess determines what you possess. And whenever you're complaining, you're confessing injustice. And all you're doing is you're putting into motion external forces that are going to now be bringing injustice into your world. And the children of Israel complained against Moses. And listen to their complaint. Were there no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to perish? That you brought us out here to die? We would have been better off serving Pharaoh. We would have been better off back in Egypt. And it's interesting what happened to them. The Bible says with them, God was not well pleased. So their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Was it God's will? No, it wasn't. It was their confession. Was it God's will? No, it was their confession. At the end of the day, it is as you say. Ouch. 
I don't really like this guy. He's putting all the responsibility on me. It it is. Because it is, as you say, Pontius Pilate says, are you then the king of the Jews? I know who I am. I'm completely secure and I know who I is. Jesus knew who he is. He, he, he didn't need, oh, who do you think I am? Like, you know, the disciples, who do you, who do you say that I am? I'm a bit insecure, a bit low today. Oh, some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Oh, close. <laughs> Jesus knew who he was. It's, 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 not, it's not who Jesus says he is. It's who you say he is. Do you say he's just a teacher? An enlightened guru, an enlightened master, or do you say that he is Lord? Because one of the thieves on the cross rebukes the other guy, says, you jackwagon, we're here because of our sin. This guy's done nothing wrong. And then he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's saying, Jesus, you're the, you're the king of the Jews. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Because it is as you say. It is as you say. So, so uh, don't, don't, don't complain. Don't, don't avoid it. Romans 4.17 says that God speaks those things that are not as though they are. Speak faith. Speak blessing. I spoke this morning on, on Jesus blessed the five loaves and the two fish. And the word blessed is the word eulogio, where we get the word eulogy. And, and it means to speak well of. So he's got 5,000 men plus women and children, 15,000 people in front of him and insufficient resources. But it doesn't say, and Jesus complained. Jesus turned to the disciples and sighed. He said, oh, it's so difficult. I wonder if the Father's even watching. I wonder if he even cares about this. No, no, Jesus blessed. He blessed. And then he broke and distributed and there was a miracle. Don't, don't curse what God is trying to bless. Speak well of your life. Speak the promise of God over your life. You and I are different to the animals because we have the power of speech. But you must understand with that power comes great responsibility, Peter Parker. With that power comes great responsibility because death and life is in the power of the tongue. This, the reason death comes first is because I find my first inclination is towards death. Let me explain. In 1992, when I finished Bible college, uh, they sent us to New Zealand for stealing. No, so we went to New Zealand. Uh, we spent our first seven years of ministry in New Zealand. Leanne was back in, in Sydney, and uh, I flew back in August after seven months of engagement. Married her, brought her with me uh, back to, to Monaco City, New Zealand, the armpit of the universe. And... Uh, we were in South Auckland, but over there they don't say South, they say South. Oh, you did South Auckland, bro. Oh, what you looking at, fella? Oh, you got an eye problem, bro. Come here, I smash you, bro. Anyway, and so, so, uh, that's just, and so we live there. And so, so anyway, after about two or three years of marriage, two or three years of marriage, two or three years of marriage, man, we were fighting. Like, we were fighting all the time. I mean, fighting. And, uh, and I was really busy in church. You know, my pastor basically put me in charge of everything. And uh, so I was out six nights a week. Tuesday night was, you know, our life groups. Wednesday night was the Wednesday night service that I was responsible for. Thursday night was our Bible college night, and I was the dean of the Bible college. Friday night, we had, had our junior high and high school uh, youth ministry. Saturday night was our young adults ministry. And then Sunday was, was church services. And I was in charge of ushers, deacons, security, 
cleanup, uh, maintenance. I was, in, I was the uh, second string worship leader. Those poor people pray for them. And, uh, and uh, you know, and I was the youth pastor, the high school pastor. You know, I was in charge of everything. It was just like if something came up, I'd just put it on Jurg's plate. And so I was out six nights a week. And so I remember this, this, one, this one Monday. Monday was my only day off. This one Monday comes along, and, uh, and I, I get my surfboard, and I go to put it on the roof. And Leanne goes, where are you going? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for a surf. She goes, no, you're not. I was like, yeah, yes, I am. She goes, no, you're not. She says, you haven't spent any time with me. You've been at the church all week. And, you know, no, no. and I said, I'm going surfing. I, I, I need some stress relief. And, she says, and so she grabs the surfboard off the roof. I'm like, you will pick that surfboard up and you will put it back on that roof. Woman. She goes, no. I said, I beg your pardon. She said, no. I'm like, yeah, that's just. You're insubordinate. This is bordering on rebellion. Pick the board up and put on the roof now. So help me. She goes, so help you what? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> then she lifts her foot like this. And she goes, if you tell me you're going surfing, I'm going to kick the fin out of your surfboard. I said, you will not kick the fin out of my surfboard. She kicks the fin out. I said, have you gone mad? She lifts her other foot. She goes, if you tell me you're going on, I'm thinking maybe I can surf with two fins. She kicks the other one out. And as I move towards her, she kicks the third one out and scampers off. I'm chasing her down the street. She's running down the street. I'm chasing her. I'm going to get you, woman. That's it. And the neighbors are out kind of hosing. Oh, there's the youth pastor chasing his yelling obscenities at her. And so I remember, I remember I got there, you know, and I grabbed her and she, and she just starts I mean, flailing at me. I didn't know what to do. So I remember ducking under one and coming behind her and I got her in the full Nelson, you know, and, and so she's going like this and just kind of kicking me in the shins. And, and then I, and then God's like, Yerkes, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Help, you know, and he's just in heaven going, Gabriel, are you sure this is, and you know, and so so anyway, so, so yeah, it wasn't going. And so we're, argu- we're arguing all the time, arguing all the time. So finally, we have this massive argument, massive argument. And, 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 and I, I said, that, 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 that is it. You, are, you I am going to go pray. I'm praying. And I'm going to talk to, I'm dubbing on you. I am going to go and I'm going to talk to God about you. And when I come back, don't be surprised if you break out in boils. And so, so I, two stories. So, so we have this massive, massive, that's it. So I go on this prayer walk. Just a true story. I'm a bit embarrassed to tell you. So I go on this prayer walk and obviously, obviously, obviously you don't open, you know, you don't open like your communication with God by throwing your wife under the bus. It's not, the opening, your segue, your segue your way in there, you know, so I'm just like, Lord, how you doing? I mean, stupid question, always good, always good. Uh, how am I? Woo, I'm glad you asked, even though you didn't. Uh, uh, well, you know, it could be better. Woo, that wife you gave me. Hello, if, if you gave her, if you gave it to me. I'm having some kind of doubts right now. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, don't, don't want to throw her under the bus, but uh, uh, she 
She's probably backslidden. I can't remember the last time I saw her having a little quiet time. But anyway, I didn't want to kind of put, just thought I'd say, I said, anyway, and uh, I said, you know, she's, uh, you know, she's insubordinate, she's rebelled. And so God speaks to me and says, hey, Jurgs, you, you're having a few problems with Leanne. I said, oh, yes, I am. Uh, and he says, uh, Jurgs, you do realize that your wife is a product of your husbandry. Huh? He's like, you do realize your wife is a product of your husbandry. Oh, what do you mean? He says, well, what kind of a wife do you want? I'm like, oh, oh man. Oh, well, actually, now that you mention it, um, whoa, okay, um, I want a princess that loves me. A smoking hot princess that loves me. And he says, when was the last time you called her a smoking hot princess? I said, when she starts behaving like one, and God says, it doesn't work like that. I said, what do you mean? He says, it doesn't work like that. He says, what did I do with Adam? I said, you put him asleep and you pulled out a rib. God says, no, 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 before that. I said, oh, before that, you said, it's not good for man to be alone. Therefore, I'll make a helper suitable for him. And then you put Adam into a deep sleep. You took out a rib. God says, wrong. I said, I beg your pardon? He says, wrong. I said, I'm not wrong. God's like, yeah, go and read it. Wrong. I said, God, I've read Genesis numerous times. In fact, the truth is, every year, on the 1st of January, I make a decision. I'm going to read the Bible through from cover to cover. And I begin in Genesis chapter 1 on January number 1. But around March, I die in the Levitical laws. The Levitical laws kill me every year. Thou shalt not bake a young goat in its mother's milk. What kind of sick people do this stuff? If it's you, stop it. It's killing my read the Bible through in a year program. Thou shalt not eat anything with a cloven hoof. Stop it, alright? And so, so, so I'm like, God, if there's one book I've read every year, it's Genesis. And God says, we'll go back. I don't need it. He says, go back. I'm right. He says, so I go back there. I said, look, I'll prove you wrong. There it is. Look, there it is. It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. God goes, keep reading. I said, no, what happens next? You put him asleep. God says, wrong. I said, right. So I look, and then it says, hang on. That's cheating. You just put that. And he goes, no, it was already in there. It says, the next verse says, so God brought all the animals to Adam to see what Adam would call them. And whatever Adam called them, that's what they became. Then God puts Adam into a sleep. Then he takes out a rib and then he brings the woman. And the first thing that Adam does when he sees the woman is he prophesies. And he says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman or literally womb man. For she was taken out of man. Later on, it says, and Adam called his wife Eve. The most beautiful part of the day was that moment when the sun was going down in the horizon and the entire day, the entire sky lit up with the most exquisite and extraordinary colors. The reds, the yellows, the crimsons, the oranges, the whole sky would light up. And Adam calls the name of his wife Eve saying, sweetheart, you are the most glorious. You are the crown of all creation. 
So God says to me, before I gave Adam the privilege of a spouse, I taught him the responsibility of his mouth. You have been calling your wife stupid, insubordinate, rebellious. He says, you will live and die by the words of your mouth. Change what you speak. I came home and I repented. I'd love to tell you that overnight, like Pantene, and everything was different. It was like little Tinkerbell came with a magic wand and everything, everything was just hunky-dory the very next day. That's not what happened. It probably took about 18 months for, for Leanne to realize there was a shift. There was a shift. So out of my mouth today, and we've had you know, many fights since, but, but I, I, will, I will not. Like she, I'd love to tell you she, but anyway, and so I, I just, so out of my mouth comes princess. Out of my mouth comes beautiful. Out of my mouth comes extraordinary because she will become whatever I call her. You need to understand your circumstances, whatever you call her, whatever you call it, whatever you call it, whatever you call it. Okay, some of you still need convincing. I don't think this guy's even preaching the Bible. Thank you. All right, watch this. In Genesis, watch this, watch this. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was a formless and void. Darkness covers the face of the deep spirit of God's hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, then God said, let there be light. Light was. Then what does God do? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? God separates the light from the darkness. The light he calls day. The darkness he what? calls night. So, so then it says, and then God said, let there be a firmament in the heavens. And, there was, and it was so. Then God called it heavens and the ground he called, you know, and then God said, let dry land appear and he called it earth. And then God said, and then God called. You find there's a pattern through Genesis. God said, and then God calls it. God said, and then God calls. God said, God says to create, and then he calls to exit. What, what you call it, he calls it because he's exercising dominion over it. But, but he comes all the way to, it comes all the way to creation. God stops at the animals. Up until the animals, God has said to create and then calls. God says and then he calls until it comes to the animals. And then all of a sudden God stops and then he moves on and God keeps saying, but he doesn't call. And then he said, and then he said, let us make man in our image. And so that he creates Adam in his image and in his likeness. And then he brings all the animals to Adam to see what Adam would call it. Because Adam was going to rule over it. Because what you call it is what you're going to exercise dominion and authority. The authority of your mouth. So if you call it hopeless, if you call it no good, if you call it stupid, if you call it too expensive, if you call it nooses too hard to live, if you, whatever you call it, that's what it's going to become. The mouth is a producer. Somebody say amen. All right. Is it okay? Did you get something out of that? Oh, man, I've got so much here. I've got too much here. All right, moving, moving, moving right along. We come alive on the highway. All right, number two, number two. Let me give you number two. In fact, I don't even have time for number Okay, number two, really quickly. So the mouth is a producer. Number two, the heart is a determiner. The heart is a determiner. The heart is a determiner. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. Do you know the job of a pastor and the job of a leader is, is to put the word of God in your heart. In Psalm 119 verse 11, it says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Bible says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Lucifer fell, not because of what he said with his mouth, but what he pondered in his heart. The Bible says, and Lucifer said in his heart, I will exalt myself. He didn't say it with his mouth, he said it in his heart. Because the direction of your heart determines the direction of your life. 
life. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it spring the issues of life. Or your heart is a, the, the wellspring of your life. Satan entered Judas's heart. Satan having put it into Judas's heart to betray Jesus. So you need to understand that, that your heart is a determiner of your life. The Bible says, as in water, face reflects face, so too a man's heart determines the man. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, uh, not to eat the bread of a miser, for as he says in his heart, so is he. As he says in his heart, so is he. So, so my job is, is not to help people conform to a religion. My, my job is not to police what they do wear and what they don't wear. You know, you have these arguments in church. Should women really wear makeup in the church? Well, it depends on how she looks. If the barn needs painting, paint it. I don't think that people should wear hats. It doesn't. Stop it. We're not here to change the outside. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Come on, how many people know in the Psalms it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God. You'll find, you know, God says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong. Meditate in my word day and night. The word meditate means pondering by talking to himself. The word meditate is very, very closely linked to, to the Greek word that's used to describe what a cow does when it chews a cud. When a cow chews a cud, it swallows it. It has four stomachs, and it's, it spits it up, chews it some more, and goes into the second stomach, brings it back up, chews it some more, goes into the third stomach until it comes out as milk. It starts off as grass, and then it comes out as milk. And God is saying that's what you do with the word of God in your heart. It produces. You, you, the mouth is a producer, but your heart is a determiner. Your heart determines the direction of your life. And then the third one, really quickly, because I want to make sure it's hot outside, and I want, I want to make sure that I finish on time Really quickly, number, number numero tres, number three, is your mind is a shaper. Your mind is a shaper. That's why Philippians 4 says, whatsoever things are pure, noble, meditate on these things. Can, can I just really quickly talk to you about, about your, your, your mind, about your thinking? Where, where, where your mind goes, the man goes. Where, where your mind goes, the man goes. When you were born, you came out head first. You, 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 you moved from a confined, narrow place into a wide open expanse head first. Head first. Since that time, nothing has changed. To go from a poverty mentality, something had to shift in my mind, to go from a, a mentality of lack, of poverty, everyone's against me. I had to change the way I think. The, the, the Greek word repent comes from two words, metanoia, combined. Meta is where we get the word metamorphosis to change, and noia is knowledge or thinking. And so you need to understand when Jesus says repent, it's the word metanoia. He says change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is changing the way you think. I used to think that life was 
you know, no good. I used to think that, you know, life was a struggle. I used to think that, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. I used to think that God was against me. I used to think that nobody likes me. I used to, and, and what, what has to happen is the word of God has to change the way that you think. The only way you're going to go from here into the next level is you have to let the word of God change your mind. You have to meditate on the word of God. You have to displace and replace your stinking thinking with biblical thinking. That's why God says to Joshua, I mean, can you imagine Joshua's feet? He's got to take over from Moses. Moses, Moses. Yes, you're going to Pharaoh, not going. My people are being oppressed, don't care. They're whooping them. Doesn't matter, not my deal, your problem. God says, what's that in your hand? Uh, Stick. Stick. How many people know that parents growing up tell you you can't play with sticks? Why? Someone will lose an eye. God says, all right, I'll let you take the stick. Done. I'm in. So Moses has a stick. I mean, his stick opens seas. His stick hits a rock. A river runs out of the rock. He's got a magic stick. Joshua is taking over from Moses. If I was Joshua, I'd be like, oh, where's my stick? I want a stick. And God's like, no, there's no negotiation. You're taking over from, from Moses. I want a stick. I'm not doing it unless you give me a stick. No stick. Joshua, listen, look at me, look at me, no stick. Look at me, look at me, got one word to say, look at me, no stick. And so no stick, okay, no stick for for Joshua. Instead, God says to Joshua, Joshua, you don't need a stick. You just need to meditate in my word day and night and do not let it depart from your mouth. In other words, keep it in your confession. Day and night. Then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Moses did some extraordinary things with a stick. Parts of Red Sea with a stick. Changes the wind direction, brings in quail with a stick. Awesome things with a stick. But never did Moses stand on a battlefield and look up into the sky and command the sun to stand still in the sky. But Joshua was able to. Why? Because the word of God was in his mouth, in his heart, and in his mind because he was meditating on it day and night. The devil doesn't want you in the word. He doesn't want the word touching your heart, and he certainly doesn't want it coming out of your mouth. Why? Because you and I are created in the image and the likeness of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Can I say something a little bit crazy? Do you realize that the word of God is just as powerful in your mouth as it is in God's mouth? because the word of God is the word of God it is the word of God God is looking for a mouthpiece God is looking for sons and daughters that he can put his word in their mouth so that when it comes out of you you are prophesying you are speaking to your circumstance you are speaking to your situation declare the word of God don't let the circumstance make change your confession or shape your confession you speak to your circumstance make the circumstances shift to what the word of God says when, when, when our little daughter who's six now when she was when, when she was in Leanne's womb, the diagnosis was not very good. Uh, they, they said that she had 16 of the, the 20-something markers for, for Down syndrome. She had apparently chromosome deficiencies and problems with her heart and her lungs and all kinds of things. And the doctor's recommendation was for us to abort her. But God had spoken to me on a, prayer, on a prayer walk in the morning because I was praying for my mother who was dying. And God says, I'm going to give you a daughter and she's going to comfort you in the loss of your mother. I don't have time to tell the story, but after three sons, my wife was convinced I could not make a daughter. And so she twice had me booked in for the, <clears throat> and, uh, and I managed to get away from the butcher, uh, from the doctor, 
And, uh, and so God spoke to me. God spoke to me before. So I go home and told Leanne, she's like, not out of this body. And, uh, and concubines are not part of the New Testament. And so that wasn't an option. And so, so, so anyway, so she gets pregnant. As soon as she's pregnant, as soon as she's pregnant, I know it's, it's a little girl. Because God had told me, my mom was passing away back in Australia. I'm in America. And I know that God is faithful. I know that God is faithful. And I know that what he whispers in secret, he'll perform in public. And so, so we go to the ultrasound. And, and the lady, and she was a British lady. She goes, oh, what, you got a home then? I said, you know, three sons. Oh, you ready for a fourth? I said, oh, no. Now it's a girl. Oh, wishful thinking. I said, oh, no, not wishful thinking. I know. She goes, well, do you know the probability? I said, don't care about the probability. God spoke to me, and it's, it's a little girl. She goes, I don't believe in God. I said, you will after this. And, uh, and so anyway, so, so, so sure enough, she goes, oh, oh, 50-50 chance. It's a girl. How? Ooh. And then she goes, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's, it was like the devil came and tried to steal, steal. And so we had this negative diagnosis. So I had two two options. One, I could leave the doctor's report as the final authority. Can I tell you, doctors have authority. Their words carry weight and their words carry power, but they're not the final authority. My Bible says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So at the end of the day, God bless the doctors, but I'm going to go and ask the one who is over all the doctors. And I went to Jesus and said, Jesus, is it your will that we have a heavily crippled, disabled child? Is, is, this, is this what's going to... And, and Jesus said to me, James 1.17, and I'd love to tell you that I knew immediately what that meant. And I had to go and look it up. And so I looked it up and it says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. And God said to me, she is perfect. Don't listen to the doctors. I'm still knitting her together. It's only the 20th week. I have not finished. Don't listen. And so I wrote that scripture out, stuck it on my mirror. Wrote it out, stuck it on my wife's mirror. Wrote it out, put it in her Bible. Wrote it out, put it on my Bible. Wrote it out, put it on her bedside nightstand. Wrote it out, put it on my bedside. Wrote it out, put it in her car. it out, put it in my car. And every morning and every night, I would lay hands on her stomach and we would confess that scripture, good and perfect. The doctors thought we were crazy. They wanted me to take a course on how to raise a disabled child after three times unsuccessfully talking us out of and trying to talk us into having an abortion. We wouldn't do it. So they said, okay, well, you need to do this course because this is what's going to happen. And so I I remember when when Zoe came out, you know, the, the doctor, when she was like, she goes, my God, she's perfect. And I snatched her. I said, what do you expect? And, uh, and, and she's, she's such a, because I made a decision. I made a decision that God's word in my mouth. And all I had to do was speak the word. I just spoke the word. Kenneth, you can change your circumstances if you just get a word from heaven. And when God gives you a word, you can speak that thing. You can shift things in the heavenly realms. You can shift things in the natural. Jesus comes up to a tree that has leaves but has no fruit. And says, let no one ever eat fruit from you again. The next day they come past and it's shriveled up by the roots. And the disciple says, Lord, the fig tree which you curse is dead. But Jesus didn't stand in front and saying, I curse thee in my name. He didn't say that. He just said, let no one ever eat fruit from you again. How many things do we say now? Like, man, I'm just, oh man, I'm such a klutz. Oh man, I'm losing my memory. Your your words have power. You stupid, you're just like your father. You're just like your... Yeah, hopefully. Oh, don't speak life. 
The mouth is a producer, heart is a determiner. I know I'm out of time. I know I'm out of time. Can I give you one last thought? One last thought. One last thought. There's a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio in it called Inception. Inception. And Inception works on the premise that if you can get someone to think a thought, if you can place a thought in somebody's head undetected where they think it's their own thought, you can, you can shift things, you can change things. Movie Inception. How many people know Jeremiah 29.11? Some of you, Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Good thoughts, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. But I want, you, I want you to understand, nowhere does it say, I know the thoughts that I think about you. God is not sitting in heaven thinking thoughts about. He's not like up there, <laughs> Jurgs. God does not limit his thoughts to being about you. God is thinking thoughts towards you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Good thoughts, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Why, why, why is God thinking thoughts towards you? He's thinking thoughts towards you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Why? Because he's hoping that one of those thoughts would stick. He's thinking thoughts towards you. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. In Christ, you're an overcomer. Through Christ, you're a brand new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Behold, I do a new thing. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your sins from you. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. I have a future. God is thinking thoughts towards you. He's thinking thoughts towards you. Just, But the problem is we, we get those thoughts. I have a future for you. Oh, no, you can't have a future for me. My life is so messed up. My, I, I love you. Oh, God, you couldn't possibly love me because I've grown up on performance-based acceptance. And, and, and I haven't done anything. I haven't been good enough. I haven't even read the Bible today. Oh, God, how could you love me? And, and, and we dismiss these thoughts, we dis- but it doesn't stop God. He is, he is 24 hours a day relentlessly. He is relentlessly thinking thoughts towards you. Why? Because he knows the power of one of those thoughts catching in your mind. If you can just allow your, your mind to, to, to begin to grasp and begin to grab and begin to, to plant the word of God in there, meditate on the word of God, you will find your, you, you will break through ceiling after ceiling after ceiling. There is no limit. There is no limit. When we read Ephesians 3.20, the that, you know, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. God can do exceedingly abundantly. We limit God by what we, by what we think. What do you meditate on? Would you just close your eyes with me? I need to pray and I know I'm out of time. But there are people here today and God wants you to change what comes out of your mouth. There are people here today and God wants to change. He wants you to change what you meditate on in your heart. And God wants... Number three, for you to change the thinking of your brain, the thinking of your mind. If you're one of those areas or all three of those areas, I'm going to pray a very quick prayer and hand over to Pastor Christian. But if that's you saying, hey, Lord, help me with my mouth, help me with my heart, help me with my mind. It could be one, it could be two, it could be all three. Quickly just lift your hand to heaven and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's it. Hands everywhere. My God, hands everywhere, hands everywhere, hands everywhere. Let's all say these words. Just keep your head bowed and your your eyes closed. Let's all say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I ask you today to change my heart. Take out my heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. Today, Lord Jesus, I make a decision that I speak life, that I bless and not curse my life and my circumstances. If God be for me, Who or what can be against me? I declare today, the greater is he that is in me 
than he that is in the world. That through Christ I can do all things. That my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, today, help me to get rid of stinking thinking. Today I cast down negative thoughts, dark thoughts, unclean thoughts, perverse thoughts, destructive thoughts. Today I make a decision that whatsoever things are pure, noble, praiseworthy, of a good report, I meditate on these things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, give God a great shout. Thank you, Pastor Christian. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.